Hello and welcome to Join the Club. My name is Holly. I acknowledge the lands and waters of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. I pay respect to the ancestors past and elders present and those emerging and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. I am and will continue to be inspired by the incredibly rich culture of the Wajak people and their connection to family and others. Hi everyone, Holly here. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to let you know that the topic that the guests will be sharing will be around uh, people that are diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. Now, in the episode today, Chris will be sharing his experience as being a sibling of a person who is on the autism spectrum and has been diagnosed much, much later in their life. I want to keep in mind that Join the Pod, uh, Join the Club podcast um, aims to be a platform for people just to share their everyday stories. Um, and it's not a place where there is any advice or any professional information being given out. This is just a platform for us to feel connected, um, to build a community and for people to feel comfortable in sharing their experience. And hopefully some may feel that they can connect with that experience at the same time. I think it is really important that we are respectful of all people and their varying abilities. And I really hope that we have displayed respect throughout this episode. Um, I want to reiterate like how you know, incredible everybody is um, on the for those that are on the autism spectrum. They're all unique and different in their own way. And Chris's story is just his unique experience of um, of his family situation and what he has um, experienced growing up. I think it's also very important to highlight the incredible work of organisations that are promoting and um, informing people around um, the autism spectrum community. So I will put this in the show notes. If you would like to learn some more information and read some expert and professional um, opinions and um, data and professional readings, please visit the Autism Spectrum Australia website, as well as for those people that are living locally in WA, Autism WA, um, where you will find some incredible resources and information. And I really hope that everybody enjoys the episode today as Chris shares his story. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Join the Club podcast. My name is Holly and you are welcome to join the club. Today is a very, very exciting episode because it is the very first episode with a guest. And I am very excited to introduce you to this guest because not only are they the absolute love of my life, the man of my dreams, he's also a father to our daughter, He is a son to his parents, his beautiful mum, and his incredible dad who's in heaven. And he is also a brother. Many, many wonderful things about the guest today. And I could spend hours and hours telling you all of his incredible life accomplishments, his beautiful soul, his beautiful spirit. But let's get started. And I'm going to hand over to beautiful Chris and 
Before we dive into his club that he would like to invite you into, Chris, what is your highlight of the week this week? Hi, Holly. Thank you very much for inviting me onto the podcast. I'm, yeah, really excited to be joining you all and, um, yeah, sharing my story. Um, so my highlight of the week this week is um, it's kind of like highlights, but it's this, almost the same highlight every day. And mm-hmm. it's uh, coming home from work in the afternoon and our daughter will come up to me as soon as I get in the door and give me this big hug. She's only like little and she gets faster each day. So, yeah. A cute little feet. It's like she can't keep up with her feet. (laughs) It's like her her little feet are like doing little zoobies and her body is like coming after her. Yeah. Because she's so excited. It was like today when I picked her up at daycare and she could see me walking in and like she – had her toys in her hand. She's so busy and those toys could not go further up in the air if she tried. Like I'm like, oh, damn, girl, you might have a basketball career in your future. The toys are up in the air and she's like, oh, mummy, and just sprints. It yeah. is the best feeling, isn't it? I love it the moment. She's always got some sort of ball in her hand, a tennis ball <laughs> or a soccer ball or something, just obsessed with them. <laughs> a little bit mad with the sport equipment at the moment (laughs) oh thank you that's a really nice highlight what about when you come home to your wife every afternoon well that's also the the, that's also a highlight of the day cheers for that (laughs) i come second now and the dog comes third sorry sorry to the dog i love you i love you very much (laughs) i know i love you um Well, thank you for sharing your highlight. That was really lovely. Uh, My highlight isn't as sweet and sentimental as that. Um, I could definitely talk about the amazing, beautiful moments with our daughter all the time, but I'm sure people listening would like to hear some other cool stuff. Um, And mine is to do with food. We love food in our house. We do love food, yes. Um, And we do love an Aldi special, and it seems to be like when Aldi come out with their, like, seasonal products, we just, like, Go nuts. Oh, my we? God, they are amazing. Well, what's amazing? Share what's amazing. Oh, the, the new um, potato gratins. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I remember this time last year we ate them like they were going out of fashion. Those, um, If anyone's had them, they're like these round little individual potato gratin bake things that you just pop in the oven and they're frozen and they're like four little individual portions, which is really great. And they have this, which they have all year round, but they have this seasonal flavour of mushroom and truffle. And I remember I was going through like a season of like a period of mourning when we realised that they were just a seasonal item and they didn't have them all year round. It was really, really sad. (laughs) And then the other day when I was shopping, I'm pretty sure I either like text you when I was at the shops or like told you when I got home and you were like, oh, my God, turn the car around, go back and buy them all. Yes, <laughs> buy the shop out. <laughs> buy the shop. But unfortunately our freezer is too small so we can't do that and it probably wouldn't be fair to everybody else. I even said let's go buy a freezer. <laughs> yeah, let's go buy another freezer. Um, they are absolutely delicious and we have already had one of those each today this week. Not today but we had them yesterday for yeah. them, didn't we? It was so, so yummy. Good. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we could talk about, we could just have an episode talking about all the best things that we can buy from Aldi. Yeah. We yeah, do love Aldi. The Al- Aldi Club. Yeah. Join the Aldi Appreciators Club. Yeah. That's a wicked club. It is actually a really good club. <laughs> also, do you remember those really delicious ice creams? The um, So they're not in at the moment, but the dark chocolate and mint ones. Yes. Yeah, I'm not usually a dark chocolate fan, but no. I that they are really good, those ones. So delicious. I want those to come back. So, Aldi, if you are, like I'm sure you're listening to this episode right now, um, please bring those back. Mm. We'd really appreciate it. We'd love it. We'll, it- we'll buy them. It um, almost made up for, um, remember when Coles had the mini ice creams? Stop. Can we write a petition? Because are are you talking about the ones where they were like the dupe of the Magnums? Yes. And they had like all these different incredible flavours? What happened to them? I know. They were the best. So good. They were, one, they were cheap. Two, the quality of ice cream was actually pretty decent. Yeah. Because, you know, no offense, Aldi. We are one of your number one fans, but your like version of mini Magnums. I'm sorry, the ice cream quality, trash, rubbish. Yeah, you know, like the ones you get, like the multi pack ones. Yeah, nah, no good. Nah. No good. And the ice cream to chocolate ratio, no good either. Nah. But Coles, spot on. And yeah. what happened to those? I know what happened to them, Coles. Bring them back, Coles. Yeah, that's all we say. <laughs> um. Right, so that was our highlights, a beautiful, really sweet one about our daughter and then another beautiful one about the wonderful potato gratins from Aldi. Absolutely. Um, maybe we shouldn't recommend them because then people will start buying them and then we won't be able to get any more. Yeah, no. So let's take that back. They are disgusting. Don't buy them. <laughs> do people know we live in Perth? Because <laughs> if you do, don't buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can buy them in every other state but not in Perth because the Perth ones are horrible. Okay, let's move on to what this episode is actually about. And on a really cute side note, um, our dog, who is this fluffy, cute, smoochy golden retriever, can hear us talking now because normally this is a Friday evening and normally myself and Chris are very quiet, very relaxed, sitting on the couch watching a show. Our dog is fast asleep and he's probably, he's come over now and he's wondering, what's going on, guys? Yeah, he's like, come up right next to me and, um, yeah, checking out what's happening. It's like it must be um, something entertaining for him. Do you want to say hello, Bentley? Oh, a little lick, a little sniff. Oh, he's intrigued. It's the most energy I think I've seen him exert (laughs) the whole day. He is the cutest dog. I'll have to put up some photos of Bentley. He's a very – he is just the most sweet little gentle boy. Yeah. Except the only minus is um, our house is just forever tumbleweeds of his fur. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. Bentley, if you could sort that out, that would be great, mate. Yeah. Cheers. You know, all we do is, like, put – you know, give you shelter, food, water. Yeah, that's right. But you do provide unconditional love, so that's all right. That's right. Anyway, um, yeah, that he could be our third highlight of the week. He Bentley. can be, yeah. Yeah, he's our good collective boy. highlight of the week. Our collective highlight, isn't that right, little smoochy boy? And he's smooching even closer now because we're talking about him. He's like, "Well, oh, guys, you love me. It's not just all about the little baby all the time. It's yeah. all about the little girl." Yeah, that's right. Okay, so Chris, um, let's begin talking about your story and about your experience because it's a really interesting one, and it's I feel maybe not as unique or unusual anymore 
Um, I feel that a lot of families may have um, some connection to your experience, maybe not completely um, directly related, but have some sort of understanding or connection or can feel a sense of empathy for what you have um, experienced in your life uh, with um, the club that you are going to be inviting the listeners to today. So, Chris, tell me about the club that you're inviting people to join today. I'm inviting people to join the Siblings with Autism Club. Okay, so that's really interesting, the Siblings with Autism Club. Can you tell me a little bit about the name of this club and what that means to you? Yes, so I suppose that's a bit about my experience really. That's um, kind of the little club that I'm a part of. Um, So uh, my brother, who's four years older than me, um has sort of quite late in life been later in life been diagnosed um with autism when i say later in life he was diagnosed at 35 um he's uh now 40 um so that gives away my age <laughs> <laughs> quick maths everyone <laughs> yeah. um but he's obviously had autism his whole life and so my experience and um, what I've learnt from being a part of the Siblings with Autism Club is what it's like living with somebody with um, sort of emotional like regulation challenges, um, some like behavioural challenges and social challenges. Uh, yeah, and um, he also has sort of mild intellectual disability as well, um, but not quite enough to actually be properly diagnosed. Um, So there's like intellectual like challenges there as well that I've just sort of grown up with without any like proper like name or understanding of, of what's actually going on for him. I just thought, oh, that's my brother. He's a little bit odd and a little bit weird and, Mm. And he's got his quirks and, yeah, he's got his challenges, like his emotional and behavioural and social challenges. Um, But I've just gone, that's him. Um, Mm. It's definitely challenging growing up with someone like that, but he's still my brother and I love him to bits. That's really nice. Um, As you just mentioned before, talking about your childhood, do you mind going into a little bit of detail about what that experience was like for you growing up? with a brother who later in life got diagnosed with autism? Yeah, I think it sort of shapes a lot of who I am now and also was, um, yeah, a big part of, like, um, why I sort of work in the work that I do, which is um, social work. Um, But what it was like growing up, um, so I'm, let me just sort of go through a bit of my um, sort of backstory, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, my uh, I'm a, one of two sons to my parents. So I'm there's myself. I'm the youngest. Um, then there, I have a sister uh, who's in the middle, and then there's my brother who's the oldest. Um, yeah, we grew up um, in Perth. Um, I suppose being the youngest, I was, I don't know, just um, my brother being older as well, he 
sort of took a lot of the attention and also with I think I'm only sort of uh, yeah I feel like with his sort of autism um had it like he need yeah he had had a lot of sort of needs um that um needed a lot of our parents attention so I just sort of most of the time was sort of doing my own thing in a way um sort of minding my business a lot because or like not trying I sort of found myself um trying to not not get in the way of my brother I suppose or like try and not sort of rock the boat or stir stir up any like emotion or things like that so um when you, uh, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, when you talk about like those um, behaviours, what exactly did that look like then? Like what were some examples or can, do you mind sharing some examples of uh, times where you felt that you sort of like got on with your own thing or mm. um, had to sort of maybe walk away from certain instances or behaviours? Yeah, I think um, I generally remember because we all went to the same school as well um, obviously, he was a bit older than me, so he was four in four classes ahead of me. But um, I mostly remember from sort of school age and up. Um, and so I can give examples of like as we got older, what were the difference in behaviours. But when I was in primary school, um, I used to um, – this is kind of funny. Um, but um, uh, like in – my brother's class, they loved playing basketball. And um, generally he he would always be the one picked last or um, and he was always a stickler for rules, like mm. always. Like so growing up, like um, you couldn't cheat in um, like playing cards, um, so you can't cheat in fish or can't cheat in snap. I don't know if you, you probably can. Can you cheat in snap? Well, I think the whole game's about cheating, isn't it? Is it? Oh, <laughs> I'll have to try. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, um, yeah, he was a stickler for rules. Um, and if rules were, like, broken in sport or, like, in the playground, um, he his behaviour would, like, dramatically escalate. Like, mm-hmm. And so at school what he would do is if he didn't get picked or the r- rules were broken, he would steal the basketball <laughs> I see and, where this is going. And run off down the street. <laughs> <laughs> like out of the school grounds. Literally out of the school grounds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and down the street. And so um, you'd see like I would be like this like little kid like saying, oh, there goes my brother again with the basketball and about ten boys running after him. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And how did you, do you remember as a kid like how did you respond to that? Was it? Did you um, feel embarrassed or were you just sort of, I don't know, not too phased because that's just all you've known? I think um, mostly it was um, all I've known. And, yeah, I just sort of take that as just who he is. Um, I remember as well, um, like, so that was sort of his, um, my primary school experience and then, um, sort of witnessing him get bullied heaps and that was also right through um, 
high school as well. Um, but in high school, I remember was when I really noticed like what he was um, like and, and where it really had a big impact on our family um, uh, overall um, because he, um, yeah, never always like um, had like a... Um, always hated authority basically so like teachers um like if teachers are trying to tell him what to do um um he would just do his own thing like teachers and mom and dad always had the biggest struggle getting him to do like just the basic daily things like just to like get to school was one of them um like but also get out of bed have breakfast have a shower, put your socks on before your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so all these sort of quirks that we now know like are difficult for like parents with autism with like and siblings and families with um, a person with autism. Um, these quirks were like I look back now and go, oh, yeah, these were sort of um, – like all quirks of autism. Um, so he always had a challenge of getting to school and and then later on in high, his high school he would just like, he would eventually get to school but Dad would just like um, work so hard just getting him there and then uh, my brother would just like walk out of school, like he would just not go. <laughs> he would and, leave. Yeah, he would leave. I remember you even sharing stories with me about times where he had to sit exams and for him it was like a huge cause of stress for him, wasn't it, with the mm. idea of, well, one, authority making him doing something that made him feel uncomfortable, but then two, being an environment for him that was extremely stressful, whereas I feel that, you know, the the latest like data and research and the knowledge that we have around people who have autism now and the structures around supporting people with disability that that 30 years 25 years ago that your brother was in high school like that would not be accepted now and the situations that he was put in in that not just in the schooling setting but in other settings um that made that were the cause of escalation of certain behaviours and, um, you know, extreme stress and distress for him, which then resulted in certain behaviours, those sorts of um, parameters would not stand now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely sort of agree with that. I think it's it's all about environment and, and sort of a different way of working, like his brain just works differently. Um, and he's a highly intelligent person. Yeah, yeah. Like he can, his thing is Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a bit more about that. So um, <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we both have a drink at the yeah. same time. That's not what you meant to do. I know. Because now there's <laughs> silence and there's there's us gulping in the background, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> you're laughing now <laughs> well <laughs> oh my god this is going well isn't it oh 
Sorry. I'll tell you, okay, funny side note actually because we caught up with your brother the other day and anything to do with sport in the Olympics is like his thing. Mm. And I, I remember that one of the first times I met your brother was he asked me a few things about myself and he's fascinated as well with Ireland. I think because he has that big connection with your dad and um, your dad's your dad's very personal connection to Ireland as well and with his, his story. And uh, he was like, oh, my goodness, like you grew up in Ireland, you're Irish, do you? and automatically he's jumping to things like, well, you must speak Gaelic. You must know Gaelic. Like do you speak it fluently? And trying to explain that. Well, no, I don't, and not everybody in Ireland or people that have grown up in Ireland speak Irish. But I remember the time where he found out that I had done, and I'm not even joking, I had done like two weeks of horse riding lessons. <laughs> and and because there's that, you know, link to show jumping mm-hmm. and horse riding that's in the Olympics. And I tell you, if I asked him in the 2000 Sydney Olympics who won the gold medal for the dressage event, he could probably tell us. He could. He could. <laughs> he literally and could. <laughs> he brought up the time that I mentioned about the, the horse riding. I, he brought up a video on YouTube of some dressage and he was like, is this what you've done? And I'm thinking to myself, no, 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 I've only done two weeks of horse riding lessons. I helped out in the stables <laughs> once to get discounted lessons and I just, got, you know, go along with it because this is something he's interested in and I'm like oh you know with like my new boyfriend and I'm meeting his brother for the first time and I want to make him feel comfortable so I'm like oh yeah yeah like I know a bit about that and it, how many years later I catch we catch <laughs> up with him um at the park recently and the first thing he's like oh so horse riding Holly I know that you're really into horse riding <laughs> and in my mind I'm like I have not sat on a horse, sat on a horse, poor horse. <laughs> I have not ridden. I have not ridden a horse since I was like 13 years old, but I um, I swiftly changed the topic of conversation. <laughs> yeah, horse riding is going to be a part of your, I think your... that's my whole identity now yeah. forever and ever and ever, amen, is yeah. Holly equals horse riding. Horse riding and anything to do with Ireland. I, well, I also like the Saddle Club growing up. That's a good show. Yeah, that's a great show, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> yes, everything, anything to do with um, Olympics. So, yeah, all that connection. So, Chris, at the start of the episode, you mentioned that your brother only recently had the diagnosis a few years ago. Can you tell me a little bit more about that process and how that was, um, how that experience was for you? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because um, I was definitely a huge part of getting there and getting that across the line because I always knew that if we didn't get that diagnosis or get um, my brother sort of into the NDIS, which is the National Disability Insurance Scheme uh, in Australia, that um, he would struggle and I would struggle because he wouldn't have anyone uh, he, like he, anyone to help him out and uh, have to rely on me. So I suppose that goes right back to sort of the whole story, goes back to the end of high school where he had a lot of um, difficulties just in life, like um, had difficulties in friendship groups. He had a good sort of uh, friendship group that kind of accepted him, but he would also... Um, not understand some of the like complexities of the uh, friendship group 
where um, like he would get really angry and get upset with a lot of people and then ask um, uh, people like ask me questions and um, also during that time uh, so he struggled with like maintaining friendships and um, holding like strong friendships like through like when he finished high school and then he also had sort of I suppose the only job he's had was like a McDonald's um, and he had that for about maybe like three or four months only mm. um, and also really struggled with that, could not get there on time, could not get himself ready to get there on time, could not be motivated to go there. He's like, why would I want to do this? And But I don't know how he did it for a little bit. Um, I think that's actually an incredible accomplishment <clears throat> because he was doing that with no support. I mean, he had your parents' support, but we'll talk a bit about his diagnosis soon, but mm. I feel, you know, if that diagnosis had come earlier, which uh, this situation and also for other people who are the same age as your brother who struggled to get an early diagnosis or they're uh, being a highly intelligent person, they're sort of struggles may be just deemed as a behaviour issue and not actually categorised as being um, an intellectual disability, that the disservice to them was that they haven't had that support, that funded support through the NDIS like you mentioned, where if your brother had had that support through the uh, NDIS, through support workers, through an OT and through all of those services, that perhaps he still might be in that job today and mm. perhaps he may have found like the positives and fulfilment but through structure, mm. through guided support, through mentoring, through particular programs that support people who have additional needs mm. or who have complex, um, yeah, support that they that they require. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it would even go back to um, had it been picked up in early years even early primary school that his emotional regulation would be much better because it, it is it's really poor now and he gets no support for it um, because it's just not funded um, so he always uh, he grew up post high school going in and out of uh, mental health services and um, that was all always particularly my struggle it felt a lot on my responsibility and my mum's um but sure he was always going through um uh the mental health services uh in and out and, and never really sort of um coped well with them uh and also a lot of his struggles were blamed on behavior mm. so it was his behavior was the issue and it wasn't until I was in a meeting, I sort of don't know how, I was just in like my sort of social work advocacy kind of mindset in a meeting with uh, a government mental health service um, and I sort of demanded a, a meeting with the psychiatrist. I said, I'm a family member, I need one. Like I need to understand what's going on here because my brother just got kicked out of or been told he's being evicted from um, his um, government housing that he'd had for 10 years. Um, so much was going on and um, 
and he had some like um criminal chart like charges like criminal charges as well that were like um like assault charges um not on people but damage to property and and that sort of stuff um and i said like he really needs help um and it wasn't Mm. until in that meeting that this consultant said um it's uh like he's got the disability support pension and i said yes but he's got no diagnosis Mm. of a disability and they said well, what have you done as a family about his diagnosis? I said, well, what diagnosis do you want us to? And also you don't have the qualification to give him that diagnosis. That's right. I didn't even, at that point, I didn't even know what diagnosis, they were, what issue they were talking about. And then mm. that's the first time someone like in a profession said, oh, we think it's autism. I'm like, well, thank you. After like 30 years mm. of him living his life and 10 to 15 years of being in and out of mental health institutions and government ones at that, Mm. that no one bothered to tell the family that they think he has autism. That's really unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, it shows of a broken system, doesn't it? Yeah, which is the one I now work in. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) But But you are an advocate who's, you know, you've got this lived experience of like your family struggling with this and your brother Yep. continuing to find where he belongs in this world, you know, it's not easy. I, I think and I, I think about him and feel mm. for him and, of course, there are times where we're like, oh, my goodness, can you just <laughs> tone it down, mate? Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, like, try and see something from another point of view. Mm. But that's just who he is. Like, that's why he was born. Like, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly, it's exactly right. It's the way he was born. It's not behavioural. It's Yes, yeah. it's challenging behaviours, but he can't help all of that. Exactly. If the world around him can also adjust. So that's part of, my, I suppose, what I have strived to do personally is to sort of ha- support the rest of us mm. to create a world that's comfortable for people with autism. Mm. And and accessible for people with autism, and and we can all live in in harmony. <laughs> in harmony. <laughs> Let's um yeah skip so. through the the fields together. No. That's right. <laughs> uh, but just going back, so it, that sort of meeting was um, two or three years before uh, he got diagnosed. But that was the moment where I was like, okay, I now have a. Mm. Um, sort of pathway to work with, and so then I worked with my brother and the other, like the community services he was with, to start achieving this goal. Um, definitely along that way, like lost his home, lost accommodation, um, and that was. And we're still paying for that. <laughs> mm. um, <laughs> uh, that yeah, so that's that was a challenge. Um, had a few like court battle like court like damaged property and stuff like that so I definitely feel had we not gone through with getting a diagnosis and getting him onto the NDIS that um he would be in far worse situations far far Mm. worse um 
but if it wasn't for your advocacy and for your I guess as like you had then gone into the profession of social work and understood more about the the system and um what needed to be done to get there and the supports that your brother is entitled to and has access to whereas you see it all the time there are so many families who don't know what supports available may have funding and now uh, we could deep dive into <laughs> the many many NDIS providers mm. and how the funding is allocated and how that is used mm. um, and mostly isn't used um, adequately mm. or ethically. So there are, there's so many families out there who, mm. you know, might relate to this and go, they might have somebody in their family who exhibits like these sort of mannerisms or you might think, oh, okay, like that sounds familiar or, yeah, they've always been that some of their sort of mannerisms or traits or behaviours are just, yeah, something that I've gone, hmm, there's something maybe a little bit more there. Um, it's not easy. No, it's not easy. It's, um, But also definitely worth it. So important because ultimately like doing all this, like su- supporting my brother to sort of get the NDIS and get the diagnosis and also to be now to achieve start achieving his great goals that he had like he loves art mm. and disability sports uh and music uh those are just some of his fantastic things that he loves and that's what he's starting to achieve now having sort of got the support in the right support um and Irish music and, and Irish music and Irish dancing <laughs> that Irish was the latest dance. thing the other day, he's like, oh, Holly, <laughs> did you know um, I'm going to an Irish dancing class next week? But it's, like, not just Irish dancing, it's, like, Irish folk dancing, <laughs> which, like, I've never heard of. Like, your brother just astounds me sometimes, yeah. like, where he'll be, like, it just assume I know everything about Ireland because I grew up in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but will ask me about, like, certain instruments and certain types yeah. of music, and I'm just, like, yeah, like fascinated that he just he knows he's such an intelligent person, and yeah. when he's fixated on something, like he is fixated. Absolutely, his um, general knowledge to anything to do with music, you can go back to, like, the um, classical music sort of legends of like centuries ago, mm. um, and he could tell you who they are and what music they did and all sorts of stuff and what instruments and what cultures has this particular instrument and mm. this particular dance. And I'll never forget the, um, remember the Polish dancing? Oh, I put that deep <laughs> in my memory bank, like lock that away. Oh. He, he was part of a Polish dancing group and that was, well, anyway. The, the and Pol- you, you have no link, no, no connection to the Polish community. And your brother all. invites us to this Polish dancing event we go to this event that's actually really for the families of this Polish community group here in Perth. Yeah. We sit through this concert. At this stage, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was in the summer. It was, it, it was November, around, December. Like, it was getting warm anyway. Yeah. I was like, I was grumpy. It was a warm I was, day. I was pregnant, sweaty, not in the mood. <laughs> then it was three hours with an interval 
Do you remember? Yeah. Three hours. And I'm no disrespect to the Polish community. Like, you are wonderful people. Yeah. Your dancing's <laughs> incredible. Your stage presence, phenomenal. Like, and the language is, be- like, just beautiful to listen to. We had no bloody clue what was going on. No. <laughs> and then your brother was on stage for five minutes of the concert. We sat through this whole thing. I know. Five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> and now I do not trust anything he invites us to. Yes. And we, exactly I don't think we've same. been to anything since. <laughs> like, oh, so sorry. We're actually quite busy. And yeah. now that we have a, a kid, perfect excuse. Perfect. Yeah. It's so good. Another quirk. He um, goes and he organises like a organised a range of time to meet, like for a picnic to play with our yeah. daughter. And uh, he says, oh, are you okay to meet at 12 o'clock? No. <laughs> she sleeps from 12 till 2. I said 2 o'clock. Yeah, like, oh, she has to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Can you make yeah, it at 2 she's o'clock? A, she's a toddler. Oh, let me think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took me about oh, 15 but I, minutes. But I have a concert. I have a friend's concert at 2 o'clock. That's right. Let me get back to you. <laughs> He's got the... Yeah, the um, the activity list and the agenda is just incredible. And, I mean, it's taken many years and I've witnessed yeah. as, you know, your your partner in life, your wife, watching the stress that you have endured even in the recent years when things have started to sort of simmer. So I cannot mm. even imagine what it was like for you in the early days and, you know, just things as what may seem as simple as communicating with the NDIS provider with um, the support workers and around difficult times of stress, particularly when your mum sold your family, well, not your family home, but the most recent home, yeah. um, which was a comfort zone for your brother. That Yeah, that's right. There was um, particular stresses um, that really stood out. One was um, our dad passing away, mm. um, and that was quite a significant stress um, and contributed to a lot of challenges. Through that time, won't go into it, yeah. but had some like some difficult challenges. Um, he did, and I was trying to su- support him through that, and my mum through that, and our whole family. Um, and then, sort of recently, so yeah, that comfort zone, that safety zone, and it takes him. He just doesn't cope well with change, so all of that was was a big stressor. And now that he has um, support. At, also, so what was what I recognised through all of that was being able to sort of advocate and, and achieve these things was that I kind of needed that for myself. Mm. I needed him to be supported by other people that aren't me and not our family because the one that's how he's going to best achieve his goals. Mm. Um. And it's his life, like we also have our life, like as a family, and and like without having sort of focus on that in during that time, I know it would have been so much harder on us, and and so much harder to sort of achieve the things that we have. Mm. So yeah, um. But there's a lot of like so much good and it's awesome to see that there's so much of his personality and his um, good that's coming out now, like um, what he loves in life, like music and dancing and 
<laughs> um, yeah, Olympics and all these um, fun and, and amazing things and, and he's got um, the right system behind him to support him and then the family can be family. That's right. Yeah, that's really lovely. So like with every episode of Join the Club podcast, thank you for inviting us to join the Siblings with Autism Club. We have touched on a few challenges and difficulties that come with being a member of this club. However, with things, everything in life, there is always something to celebrate and always something that we can uh look on as being like a positive or a highlight in that situation. And for those people that have met my husband or know him or have even just had the absolute pleasure of passing by in life upon this beautiful human being, he is one of the most positive people you could ever meet. Always looking at the bright side in life, like not to like the annoying, like toxic positivity side, but looking at the positives. So when I think around, uh, when I think about the badges of honour, I really want to credit you for this idea because you have helped me in times of, you know, struggles and times where I've been feeling like there's a dark cloud of negativity to try and look at those positives. So what are the badges of honour that come with being in the Join the Siblings with Autism Club? I love you so much. Ah. You're amazing. <laughs> is that is that the badge of honor? No, just joking. No. Okay. What are the what are the badges of honor? Um, my badges of honor. Uh, one in particular is patience. Had to absolutely learn a lot of patience. Did that also help with being a father to a crazy one and a half year old? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I'm learning more about patience as well with being a father to a crazy one-and-a-half-year-old who um, is impatient. In yeah, impatient. Especially impatient. when she is hangry. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, but with my brother, I definitely, uh, like, learned you've got to ride the wave. You've got to ride the – you can't sort of stop at mid-wave. You can't um, try and uh, – do things to distract you've just got to sort of ride the wave and be patient let their emotions be their emotions let his emotion be he has to ride it and it's really hard to see sometimes um we can see the dip in that like yeah is there anything that you find helps you in those moments like what are some strategies that you can draw upon when you really need to be patient in that moment? Um, definitely just sort of focusing on myself and what I can control. It's taken a lot, like, just through, like, this experience is learn, okay, I can only control my world and my myself. Like, the only thing that I can control is me. So just focusing on my emotions in that moment. Um, so that's... Uh, I've, sort of I sort of described that in a way as patient but also when he's trying to think through 
um, how to decide a new time for a picnic <laughs> <laughs> to be patient takes 15 minutes or took about 20 minutes to get to that moment, um, but just to sort of be patient. So, yeah, patient is one badge of honour. The other thing I think is empathy. Mm. Um, for me, seeing growing up with my brother going through so many hard, so much hardship, bullying at school, um, not understanding why, um, like kids see him differently, and and um, just seeing the world in a different way, and all the challenges that sort of he faced, and also we faced as a family in that, um, and then I faced as well, it, it, all through that. Um, like all the advocacy and the work that I put in. Um, so a lot of empathy because uh, I've managed to sort of recognise that empathy and, and understand, particularly for families with uh, someone with autism, I really sort of have a heart for them. Mm. Um, and hopefully that someone might listen to this and go, oh, yeah, that. That's right, or maybe they sort of or do have a family member who is that way and they might be 40 years old, they might be 75 years old. I generally think is like getting the help that they need or find like whether that's getting a diagnosis and the help or just sort of finding a way that they get help that works best for them. Um, you know, ultimately, it, that's really important. So have an empathy for people who go through particular hardships and generally have an empathy for kids with autism hmm. and and young people with autism who are just trying to make a start in the world post high school it's already tough enough being a young person yeah and add on being neurodivergent absolutely yeah i really have a soft spot for them so yeah i think the other badge of honor is uh self-care i've learned a lot about how to look after myself and making sure that I am looking after myself in um, sort of having downtime or doing things that I enjoy. And I think also what coincides with self-care is having good boundaries um, as, is, as a badge of honour in itself. Um, Recognising, okay, is like, well, what's where am I needed and, and when am I not? Like what is actually important for my brother to use as a lesson or to go through and to learn that experience because ultimately tough experiences is just another op opportunity for him to learn about emotional regulation or social connection or um, all sorts of things. So um, being able to step back and, and have those boundaries and go, I've got my life, and then also being able to be firm in having boundaries around that yeah, so those are the main sort of badges of honour. I also sort of talked a lot about like my social work degree as being something that sort of is a fruit of, of this experience. Um, but I think patience, empathy, self-care and boundaries are like my sort of true badges of honour of this experience. Love it. That was so good. Thank you so much for joining us today everybody for the very first guest on join the club podcast i really hope that chris's story and his experience of being a sibling with autism 
has connected with you, whether you can, uh, I guess, feel the connection in a similar lived experience, or it's just something that you have found really interesting, or perhaps now that you may have a friend or you may know of somebody who has a family member who has autism, this may be a bit of a glimpse inside uh, of what some of their experiences could be like. And, yeah, thanks again to Chris. It was a lot to open up and to share so much of his life and what he has gone through and very excited to continue on this journey. And as I have mentioned before, I would love to have more people on Join the Club podcast to share their stories and it really doesn't need to be a story that is extremely personal. It can be lighthearted. Um, it can be about a really, um, you know, sort of uplifting part of your life or if you really feel open to talking about a struggle or um, a sort of, um, I guess, a Oh, I don't know, a, a moment that has moulded you into the person you are today perhaps. Um, I would love to hear from you. Uh, all the details of how to contact me are in the show notes and I would love for you to follow me on Instagram. So the handle for Instagram is jointheclub.podcast. Um, please, if you could follow and have a, a re, like reach out to your friends, share it with others. I'd love to get as many people connecting onto this platform as possible and yeah, as always, you are welcome to join the club. Bye.